let's go ahead and take our Bibles, and we'll be in Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. And so if you would, whenever you find your place there to stand. Philippians is one of those little books after the Corinthians is. Philippians chapter number 1. We're going to start our reading in verse number 12. There, say amen. Amen. Verse 12, Paul says this, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, and in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I wot not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me and by my coming to you again. So uh, we'll end our reading there, and we're going to preach a message tonight titled this, What Do You Live For? What Do You Live For? Subtitle. It's not about us. It's all about Him. Let's pray we'll get into it. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Apostle Paul and just the great example he is and was thankful, God, that you used him in so many mighty ways. And we're thankful especially for your word and how your Holy Spirit inspired him to write these words. And I pray that you help as I explain them or help it to make sense to us. But Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would then take that and work in the hearts of your people tonight in a way that only you can. We love you. Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I think all of us at times in our life have experienced one of our loved ones going through a hard time. That happens along the way, and in some ways, uh, it's, it's worse than if you're going through it, right? And you're watching them suffer. Uh, sometimes it can be a debilitating illness. And I think I even, I didn't even make this connection, but we mentioned that on Sunday morning last week, and you would, you would sometimes um, think that you'd rather have that illness, right? Than, ha- than watch someone you love struggle. Uh, sometimes people will uh, attack someone you love, and they'll say things about someone you love and hurt them that way, and, and sticks and stones may break my bones, but we know that's not true, right? Uh, that, wait, 
I didn't finish that. Sticks and stones and break my bones. That could, that is true. But words may never hurt me. That's not true, right? That's not true. Words can hurt. And the one who wrote that didn't know, uh, wasn't being honest, probably, and doesn't maybe don't understand the impact of their own words because words can hurt. And you sometimes watch someone you love be attacked verbally and hurt that way. And, and when they go through hard times, and that's just a sampling, but there's a lot of difficult things that we can go through in life and that we can watch our loved ones go through in life. Uh, but whenever that happens, well, well, we feel bad for them, right? And we're, we're empathetic, right? We're, we, we hurt while they hurt. And we think things like it's not fair, right? And they're our loved one. And so, you know, we, we, we think a lot of them. And so oftentimes as they're going through these difficult times, we have thoughts like this, like why them, right? Or, or they did nothing to deserve this. Uh, why would they have to deal with this uh, tragedy or hard time or uh, difficult circumstance that you're dealing with? And so you want to console them and you want to encourage them somehow. Sometimes you uh, buy them flowers, you buy them a gift, right? Or, or you say things to them like, man, I just wish you didn't have to go through this, right? And, and, and again, you would say something like, I wish I can do this so you don't have to do this, or I'm sorry things are so difficult for you, and, and we try to console, we try to help. And, and the, that situation that's taking place is exactly what's happening in our passage between the church at Philippi and the Apostle Paul, who they love. They love the Apostle Paul. Paul spent three months there in Philippi, and it would have been on his second missionary journey. And during that time, while he was there, those three months, Paul was able to reach several with the gospel. God blessed in a, in a special way. And, and those that he reached, they became the core of what, at the time of writing this letter, was a thriving and established church. This church was a blessing. This church was serving the Lord. And the core group of that church would have remembered fondly the Apostle Paul. Among them were Lydia. That name probably sounds familiar. She was a businesswoman. Who there in Philippi, who opened her home up to Paul and his team. And there's good uh, reason to think that that's where they would have started the church, right there in her house. Uh, the Philippian jailer, do you remember that story where Paul was in jail in Philippi and, and he, he was singing songs and, and God intervened and, and loosed all the prisoners, right? And not just Paul and I guess Silas would have been there, but the rest of of the prisoners all would have got free and the, the jailer who would have been in, in charge of the jail having all these prisoners escaped was losing it and he's like, well, it'd be better for me to take my own life right now than what, the, what Rome's going to do to me when they find out these prisoners in my care have been freed. And Paul, what does Paul say? He said, don't, don't do yourself no harm for we're all here. And he says the words, what must I do to be saved? And through the testimony of Paul and Silas, um, and, and obviously how God worked in, that, in their life, he was converted there under Paul's ministry and, and most likely still there in the church. And so these people would have been reached by Paul, and, and now Paul has moved on. He, he, he faced a lot of uh, persecution, a lot of resistance in the city of Philippi. Obviously he ended up in jail. Uh, Philippi was a, it was a Roman colony, and in ancient Macedonia, it was full of retired soldiers, uh, Roman soldiers. And so you can imagine that that city would have been very patriotic and would have loved Rome. And so when Paul showed up, he showed up and he cast a demon out of a lady. And, and this lady was being exploited for money. And when her masters found out 
that their hope for, for future uh, fortune was gone. They appealed to the city's patriotism, and they talked about how Paul was, and they slandered Paul, really, saying Paul was trying to, up, to create an uprising here, and, and Paul's preaching about a king who's going to overthrow the, the Roman emperor. And, and, there he, and so, so he, they got the patriotism of that city aroused and, and kind of marked Paul as some kind of insurrectionist, and they got him thrown in prison. Okay, And so he spent a lot of time in prison there at Philippi, and then we know he was uh, the angels got involved, freed him, and then he left. But when he left that church at Philippi, uh, it continued to face resistance. And the church was continuing to face persecution, much like uh, the church, church at Thessalonica we talked about already. But even through all the difficulties, even through all the struggles, that church there remained strong. It remained faithful to God. <clears throat> so Paul continued on his journey. So that would have been his second missionary journey. He, he finished that, and now he's on his third missionary journey. And after he finishes that third missionary journey, Paul was falsely accused again, but this time he was falsely accused of bringing Gentiles into a part of the temple where you're not supposed to bring Gentiles. There's, there's, there's the court of the Gentiles where they can come, but they were uh, only uh, God's people, the Jews, were able to enter a certain part of the temple. And Paul, growing up as a Pharisee, would have known those rules. Uh, he didn't do that, but people falsely accused him of that because they knew that if they did that, uh, he, they can get him in big trouble. And so they accused him of that falsely, and, and the city stirred up a riot, and a mob came and dragged him out of the temple, and they beat him to, the inch, uh, to an inch of his life. And as they were beating him, there's a good chance he would have died there if not the Roman army intervening. And so the ar Roman army intervened while, listen, while he was getting beaten, and they saved him by putting him in prison. <laughs> and so thanks, Roman army. They did save his life, but now they took him to prison in Caesarea, and he was eventually transferred from the prison in Censoria to a Roman prison. Two years later, he was transferred from that, that prison in Caesarea and transferred to a Roman prison. And so he made it to Rome. Amen? Uh, not the way he was hoping, maybe, but he made it to Rome. And so he, that's where he was when, when the church at Philippi uh, heard about that, and they grew concerned about Paul. They loved Paul. They heard about the fact that he was going through all of this. They heard that he was being falsely accused and slandered. They heard that he was beaten to an inch of his life. They heard that now he's rotting in jail. And they loved him, and they had those thoughts we were just talking about. Like, why Paul? Paul's just serving the Lord. Why would he go through all of these hard times? Why does it have to be him? I wish I can be there in the prison, rotting in the prison at Rome, so that Paul can be set free and so that he can serve the Lord and reach more people like he reached us. And, and so they had this heart for Paul, and they loved him. And so what they did is they sent a man named Epaphroditus. And the, the church at Philippi sent Epaphroditus, and they brought Paul a gift, and the... the um, Intent was to encourage Paul. <clears throat> and so Paul got the gift. He was thankful for that. And now what he's doing here in this letter is Paul is writing back to the church, right? And he wants to thank the church for what they did and then also to help them as they're facing persecution and give them some uh, encouragement, admonition that way. And so he started the letter with some introductory words and 
And then he was praising God for them. If you look at uh, verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, just talking about how much he loves the church, telling them how he's thankful that they're serving the Lord. And then in our passage, he turns to what really was their main concern, right? That he was in jail, that he was in this hard spot, and they were, they were sorry for their friend, they were sorry for their loved one, and they wanted to encourage him. And he knew that. He knew they were worried about him. And they, he knew they felt sorry for him. And so in verse 12, right in our passage, he says this. But I would, ye should understand, brethren. And, and we'll just kind of stop right there. Paul saying, listen, as far as this situation I'm in, I want you to understand something about all of this. He said, let's just keep reading. That the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather and to the furtherance of the gospel. And so Paul says, hey, I'm thankful you're thinking of me this way. I'm thankful that, that you're, you're ha having empathy and that you're, you're sorry that I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with. I, I'm thankful for the concern. But honestly, uh, church, I'm not, I'm not discouraged. I'm not discouraged at all. I, I'm not discouraged by what's going on. I'm not discouraged by the beating. I'm not discouraged by the false accusations. I'm not discouraged by being locked up in this jail. Actually... I'm kind of excited, Paul says. I'm, I'm pretty excited about all of this that's happening to me. Now, Paul, how, could, how is that possible? How could you be encouraged? How could you not be devastated? And in fact, how could you be excited that you were beaten to an inch of your life, taken to drug to jail, and then transferred to the worst of all prisons? How are you excited? Here's why. Because Paul said, God used all of this for the furtherance of the gospel. Yeah, it's being used by God, Paul said. And that's all that mattered to Paul. Listen, here's the point. All that mattered to Paul was the gospel. That's all he cared about. And so for the rest of our passage today, Paul's going to explain to them how that what could be seen as a negative thing, what could be seen as a total bummer, as, as he's explaining what's going on, it could be seen that way if, listen, if Paul's main concern was himself. And he said, I'm going to explain to you how what could be seen as negative, if I was thinking that way, is actually an incredible thing if you're thinking about it as far as Christ and the gospel is concerned. You see? And he wants to, he wants, he, listen, he is encouraging the church about how, what he's going through. And he said, you, I'm not discouraged by this. And church, I don't want you to be discouraged by this. And let me show you why. And so number one is this. Paul was more concerned about the gospel than his own comfort. He was more concerned about the gospel than his own comfort. Verse 13, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And so there's a good chance that Paul being beaten and then cast into prison and transferred to prison, it was a good chance that Rome intended for all of that to stop Paul and to stop the spread of the gospel, but it didn't work. It didn't work at all, actually, because there were people, Paul said, in this palace in Rome that he's able to be a witness to that he would never be able to be a witness to. 
Paul said, no, listen, you're missing it, church. There's people in Rome that I am being witnessed, I am able to witness to. I'm able to witness to the guards. I'm able to witness to the, the, all of the authorities that come through. And they've all heard the gospel in the palace in Rome. This is awesome! As he's chained to the wall. Right? Because all Paul cared about was the spread of the gospel. He was not concerned about his comfort. Yeah. Not only that, but there are other brethren who have been strengthened by watching what Paul's going through. And they're becoming more bold to preach the gospel. Yeah, maybe Paul's stuck in prison, but he's just one man. And Paul is using the testimony of Paul being stuck in jail and still being fervent for the gospel to embolden others. Look at verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And so there were some who had heard about what Paul was going through, and they were actually emboldened and encouraged to preach the gospel. And if Paul Paul was willing to go through all of that, Everything he's going through, Paul said, I'm able to, I'm willing to go through all of that if that means the gospel is being spread. Yeah. And so these people were looking at Paul and they were saying, if Paul's willing to go through all of that for the gospel, then I can probably get a little bit out of my comfort zone and go spread the gospel myself. Are you seeing that? So these people who, who would have, who would have maybe been nervous to spread the gospel are now being emboldened by what's going on in Paul. Because listen, they were living in a society that was pretty hostile to the gospel. I mean, that's why Paul's in prison in the first place, right? That's why Paul was beaten. He hadn't done anything wrong. He hadn't broke any laws to deserve that. No, they hate the gospel. And Paul is spreading the gospel. And so there's probably a lot of Christians in that day that were not being a witness. Yeah, they received the gospel, but they refused to tell others about it. Why? Well, because they didn't want people to be mad at them, maybe. And I don't want, I don't want to stir any, uh, any waters. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. So I'm not going to tell anybody about what Christ did. Or maybe they didn't want to lose family members. Or, or maybe they didn't want their jobs to suffer. Or maybe they didn't want to upset the wrong people and get into trouble. And so they're kind of uh, nervous and scared to be a witness. But now, as they're watching Paul's boldness, and they're watching his willingness to sacrifice his comfort to spread the gospel, now there are some, many, Paul says, that are now more willing and more bold themselves to spread the gospel. And Paul's pumped about that. Paul's excited about that. Listen, we need to make reaching the lost with the gospel more important than our comfort. Hey, let's be honest tonight. Some of us are not the witness we really should be. We're just not telling people. We're just not. And, And most of the time it's because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We won't tell our family because they might not, they might not like it. And it might strain our relationship with them. We won't tell our coworkers because they might make fun of us. Or, or we might upset the boss. And it might affect our job. And so we're not going to tell anyone. We're not going to stir any feathers. We won't stand for what the Bible says because our society doesn't like 
a lot of the things that the Bible says. And so we'll have these stances and we'll agree, we'll believe what we believe and we'll believe them strongly, but not strongly enough to say anything to anyone else. And we'll maybe hide under the, the guise of, oh, I believe what I believe and you believe what I, you believe and we'll just, but listen, friends, if they believe what they believe and it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they are in danger of eternal punishment. Hell's real. And there's one way to escape it, and it's the gospel of Christ. And it's not enough to say, yeah, I believe what I believe. You go ahead and believe whatever you want to believe, and we'll just not talk about it. No, we need to talk about it. And we're, and we're commanded to talk about it. We're supposed to be a witness. Yeah. Now, there is a level of tact involved, and we need to say the right thing in the right way at the right time but it is true, it is true, if we make people angry, and if we're out to be combative, it is true that it's going to be harder to reach them. But listen, at some point, at some point, they need to hear the truth. No matter how uncomfortable it makes you, they need to hear the truth. And you have family that maybe have never heard the gospel. Yeah, they know you're Christian, that's good. But they need to hear a clear presentation of the gospel at some point. They will not be saved unless they hear. Isn't that what Romans says? How will they call on him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's you. You need to be the one to give them the gospel. There's some friends you have in your circle that, that will never be able to reach, and they've never, ever, ever heard the gospel. There's some people at your workplace that have never heard the gospel, and you, you do need to be led by God, and you do need to do it at the right time. But at some point, they need to hear it. And if we're honest with ourselves, we often make our temporary comfort on this earth more important than the eternal suffering of the lost. I'll say that again. We're often, we often make our temporary comfort on this earth more important than their eternal suffering. And Paul was not guilty of that. No, nope. Paul was more than happy to sacrifice his comfort if it meant more lost people heard the gospel. That's what he's saying right now. Why? Because the gospel was more important to Paul than his comfort. Number two, the gospel was also more important to Paul than his reputation. The gospel is more important to him than his reputation. Paul understood that there were some out there that were preaching out of envy and strife. Look at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. It's almost like Paul saying, yeah, I know. I know, church at Philippi, they've probably heard some of this. I know that there are some people out there who are slandering me and who are saying things about me that are not true and dragging my character through the mud. Yeah, I know, church at Philippi, calm down, because they're upset. I'm sure of it. How dare you speak of Paul that way? And, and, and no, he does not deserve for you to speak of him that way. And, and, you know, he's just trying to serve the Lord, and you're tearing him up. And Paul says, I'm aware of that. I'm aware that there are some people who are saying things about me that are not true out of envy and strife. There were some out there who saw the preaching of the gospel as some kind of competition. And they wanted to be more well-known as a preacher of the gospel. And so when they saw Paul being in prison, they saw that as an opportunity for them to rise up and be more, get more of the attention out there. 
And as they preached the gospel, they would make sure to, to speak ill of Paul and to keep him uh, down here and to slander him and to say bad things about him as they were preaching the gospel because they loved the attention and they were envious of Paul's attention. Now, Paul was already being attacked verbally by those who don't believe. Remember, they, they accused him of taking the Gentiles where they where he should not have. Remember that? And so there's already people who don't believe who are attacking Paul, and that can obviously hurt when the unbelieving world is attacking you and slandering you because of the gospel. But what would have hurt even more is that there were some who were supposed to be Christian and serving alongside of Paul who were jumping in and piling on and saying all kinds of things behind his back. And that could be devastating. Hey, we're supposed to be... Why are we fighting? Hey, if you're mad at me, let's talk. But that's not what was going on. They were, they were, they were just tearing Paul up behind his back, and that can hurt. But listen, Paul didn't care. Paul wasn't concerned. He didn't care what people said about him. He didn't care if the lost was, was slandering him. He didn't care if some of the saved and the believers were slandering him. The only thing that Paul cared about was that the gospel was being preached even more. Look at verse 15. Um, some indeed preach Christ out of envy and strife, and some out of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add to my afflictions and to my bonds. So they're, they're preaching Christ, yes, but they're also uh, uh, hurting me even more. There's others who are out of love uh, preaching the gospel. But here, look at verse 18. What then? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And that's all he cared about. And he said, these guys are trying to hurt me by slandering me and preaching the gospel in my place and slandering me. But I, actually, really, they're just helping me because all I care about is that, God, that Christ is preached. I don't care if they slander me. I just want Christ to be preached. You see? Are you seeing it? And so, those who loved Paul were preaching the gospel even more. And those who hated Paul were preaching the gospel more. And so either way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ was being preached more. And Paul loved that. And so it wasn't about Paul, was it? It was all about the gospel. And Paul was happy to suffer if it meant the gospel was spread. Paul was happy to endure slander and endure false accusation as long as the gospel was being spread. He was not concerned about his own comfort. He was not concerned about his reputation. Paul had one thing in mind, and that's it. Spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to make reaching the lost, listen, we need to make reaching the lost with the gospel more important than our reputation. The gospel needs to be more important than our reputation. As you serve the Lord and as you tell others about Christ, people are going to say hurtful things to you and about you. Most of the time about you, right? Behind your back. Or you might be labeled the goody-two-shoe at work who won't get involved with some of the gossip or, or go to the bar afterwards or all of those things. You might be made fun of that way. You might be picked apart over every flaw you have. And then they might say things like this, Oh, I thought you were a Christian. Christians don't act this way. And they would, they, they're coming against you and they're picking you apart that way. 
And obviously they don't understand that, yeah, I'm a Christian because I know I'm a sinner. That's the whole thing, right? None of this is about making yourself better than your co-workers. I'm sure you know how sinful you are. I'm, I'm sure you know how much you deserve and what you're not getting from as far as God's wrath. You just want people to receive forgiveness like you've received forgiveness, and now you're getting blasted for it at work or with your family. See, Or you might be called judgmental or hateful. Say things like, I can't believe you don't drink. Or maybe like, I can't believe you don't drink anymore. Why don't you? Why, why can't we? Yeah, and things like that. Oh, oh, so now you're better than me. Those kind of things. Or I can't believe you're against gay marriage. I can't believe you're against abortion or, or transgenderism. Why are you so bigoted? Why, why, why are you, who are you to tell us how we ought to live? And things like that will be said to you. Listen, I'm sure people say things like that about our church all the time. I'm sure of it. And I try not to spend a lot of time on Facebook or other social media stuff, but I'm sure that there are people out there who are calling us right now bigoted or like a cult or like whatever they want to call us. I'm sure they're out there. And, and you know, sometimes we catch wind of that and we get all nervous. I'm sure that they're saying things like, oh, that church over there, they're forcing their people not to drink alcohol. Who do they think they are? Or that church over there is telling people who they can and cannot have a relationship with. That church over there, they're trying to rule people's lives. There's some kind of cult. I'm sure that's happening. And that's not the truth. Not even a little bit. All we do is preach what the Bible says. No, I don't have any authority, and we don't have any authority in here to tell anybody how they ought to live our life, but God does. And God does say to stay far away from alcohol. And God does say that it's an abomination for a man to be with a man and for a woman to be with a woman. And God does say that a Christian is not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. God says these things, and if we're going to be a Christian, and if we're going to be a church that preaches Christ, we have to, like, preach what Christ pre preached, you see. Well, we don't have any authority. It's the Bible that has the authority. We just say what the Bible says, but as we do that, and as we preach the Word of God, then there are going to be people who slander us and say bad things about us. It's okay. It's all right. What we cannot do is get all nervous about it. And all bent out of shape about it. Like, how dare they say those things about us? Well, it's going to happen. Be ready for it. Jesus promised that would happen. In the end, listen, in the end, it's not between us and them. It's between them and God. And they're going to take it out on us, because no one's going to yell at God. It's way easier to yell at God's people. But it's not between us and them. And so we ought not to take it personally. All we need to do is just keep teaching and preaching and living what God says and reaching the lost. We just need to spread the gospel and glorify God. That's all we need to do. We'll let God take care of all that. That's what Paul did. As Paul was being slandered and, 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 and uh, false, falsely accused of things, he just kept doing what God called him to do and preach the gospel. Because why? Well, because the gospel is more important than his comfort and the gospel is more important than his reputation. And the last one is this. The gospel was more important to Paul than his own life. In his own life. Paul said this in verse 19. For I know that this shall turn, my, turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. In verse 21. For to me, 
To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says, no matter what happens to me, I win. Why? Because all I care about is the gospel being spread. Yeah. And so if the gospel is spread, I win, even if that means my very life. And Paul knew that there was a chance that he would die in that prison. Paul knew that they had every intention of executing him, of chopping his head off. But Paul wasn't too concerned about that. In fact, he couldn't even decide what he'd rather have happen. He didn't know if he would rather them go ahead and off him or if they should let him go. He couldn't tell what he would want to happen. Look in verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. The worst they can do to me is send me to my Savior. And so I don't know if I want that to happen, but verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, Paul says. So he said if they kill him, he just gets to be with Christ. But if he lives, he gets to serve God and spread the gospel. And so what are you so discouraged about, Church of Philippi? I'm doing good. That's kind of the message here. Yeah. Paul says his life, his life that he had. Here's how, he, here's how Paul viewed his life on earth. It was time that God gave him to spread the gospel. That's how he viewed his life. That's it. No, he didn't really care about getting out of this life what he can get out of this life. He wasn't too concerned with living it up. YOLO did not mean the same thing to him as it meant to us. <laughs> and YOLO is true. You only live once. How about we not waste it? <laughs> you know. And you only live once, and you only get one shot to reach people with the gospel. After that, it's over. So Paul saw his life as an opportunity to reach people with the gospel. And he was far more excited about being with Christ in the next life than whatever this life had to offer. And so he was just looking forward to that day where he can be done with this life and be with Christ. But in the meantime, he was taking that time and using it to reach people with the gospel so that they can also spend eternity with Christ. That was Paul's life. That was his thinking. Why are you on this earth right now? Why are, you, why, do you, why are you on this earth right now? I mean, why did God just, why didn't he just take you up to heaven right after you got saved? Like, you, you pray, you get saved, and immediately you're gone. Why, why didn't he just do that? Is it so that you can worship God on this earth? Well, partly. But you'll worship him way better in heaven. You'll worship him perfectly in heaven. Is it so that you can praise God on this earth? Well, you ought to do that but you'll praise Him perfectly in heaven. Is it so you can serve God on this earth? Well, yes, but you'll serve Him with, with a sinless and perfect heart in heaven. And so why? Why are you here? Why are you breathing air right now? Why is your heart beating? Listen, He left you on this earth so that others can know the gospel. In the end, that's it. No, it's for my family. Well, it's... That's part of other people knowing the gospel. No, it's so that I can have purpose on this earth. I can have a, you know, work this job and, and help our planet. Well, yeah, but you need to use that, really. It subserviates this, reaching people with the gospel. All of it points to that, to reaching others with the gospel. The time, listen, the time you have on this earth is your only opportunity to spread the gospel. No more time after that. When you get to heaven, listen, listen, think about this. When you get to heaven, 
you will never encounter another lost person for eternity. For the rest of eternity, you will never, ever encounter a lost person. The only time you get to see a lost person after you, after you die, I mean, is when it's too late for them at the Great White Throne Judgment. And you watch them be cast into the lake of fire. After you leave this earth, that is the only time you'll see a lost person. And you'll be helpless. And you won't be able to do anything about it. And you'll watch that person be judged and cast into the lake of fire. Say, Brother Chad, I won't be there for that. Well, here's what Thessalonians says. But after the rapture, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the Lord's going to be there. And so will we. And, we'll, and that's the only time you'll see a lost person in heaven. And you won't be able to do anything about it. You won't be able to get them the gospel. You won't be able to plead with them. You'll, be, you'll, be help, you'll feel helpless. But right now, you're not helpless. Right now, you can do something about it. Right now, you can tell them. Right now, you can tell them. And right now, they have hope. On that day, they have no hope. It's over. On this earth, there's hope. They still have time. And you still have time to tell them. This is the time that God has given us to reach the lost. We need to use it for His glory. Do not waste it. But oftentimes we just get caught up with other things. And we make our life more about our comfort. And we make our life more about our reputation. And impressing people. And not making anyone mad. And we spend our time doing things that we think are fun and pleasure. And all of these things will mean nothing on that day. And I promise you that you'll look back and say, I wish I would have spent more time. I wish I would have spent more time reaching people with the gospel. That's what Paul lived for. That's what we ought to live for. Right? What is more important? Nothing. There is nothing more important than reaching people with the gospel. What do you live for tonight? What gets you going? What makes you excited? There ought to be nothing in your life more exciting than having an opportunity to give somebody a chance to avoid that great life of judgment. And now's the time. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you gave Paul such a burden for the lost. And God, as he was burdened for the lost, it caused him to be less burdened for himself. And oftentimes, Lord, we're so anxious, depressed, angry, Lord, because we have our focus in the wrong spot. And we're focused on our own comfort. And when we don't have it, we're upset, or we're angry, or we're sad. Lord, if our reputation isn't where we'd like it to be, it tears us up. Lord, if our life is on the line, we're nervous. But God, help us to be like Paul and make every 
waking moment, our number one desire is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give us that boldness, please, that faith. We love you. Christ, and I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.